0: First up, Bio Hosta Connemara, Thor Quinn, former Pro Continental rider, owner of VeloTech cycling gear, and Balde Coman Rohirte Gear Taxi. Okay, welcome to Imagine Parick. Ah, good morning. He's her father, Richie. Can't see what's with him. Ah, harky, your father. Anyway, I was going to kick off there because there's like lots to chat about. Um, so you're from what part of Connemara you from?
1: Uh, from Invern, actually very close to where Teacher Cajar is, um, within a couple of kilometres of
0: there. And that wouldn't have been a, a cycling stronghold back in your day. How did you get into cycling?
1: Uh, n- not at all. Um, or even to this day, there, there, there are most of the guys you'll see cycling here are uh, people from other sports who are kind of just using it as to kind of to keep fish. So Galefuts.c was probably or, or tree sport formerly were the what would have been the first probably cycling clubs in this area. Um got into it just from being interested in bikes. Um I just, you know, I just like bikes. I just liked working on them, you know, going out in spins, um you know, tinkering around with them when I was younger, kind of like putting a big trying to build a tt bike by putting big wheels on the back small one on. you you know just like kind of just always interested in bikes and a friend of mine probably took more of an interest in the going for spins and all that and he got myself and my brother interested in going with them um so it kind of just started off like that just three of us being between ages of 12 and 15 heading off and doing you know 40 50 mile spins and it was kind of a challenge. It was like, going, oh, I wonder, could we do sixty miles?" And uh, it kind of grew from there. It didn't. It wasn't from from the beginning. It wasn't about racing or anything like that. It was just, you know,
0: um, just trying something different. And how, like, how did you go from, you know, long spins and that to getting into competitive cycling? Because I mean, back your way, it's mostly mostly gas and it? football, and would have been a bit of cycling in the city, but what what made how did you make the jump to getting into competitive cycling there's two big sports here
1: really the water sports which would be car racing and sailing obviously it would be really big here and then gee, would football would be hurling wouldn't have been at all uh, so they they're, they're kind of like the, the main sports and my dad was into rowing and i think he thought we would have done the same and we did try it for a while Along with other sports. We did judo and stuff like that too. Um, but I think with the cycling after a while, you, you just get that curiosity of like, I wonder, am I good at this? And the the the, the there was a couple of clubs in Galway, uh, Car Wheelers, uh, Thermal King, and you also had a Orn more, And they were both, they were all good clubs with like a lot of under, underage juniors, because at the time it was 87, 88, 89. So you had that, you know, that buzz about the whole kelly roach winning the tour de france and all that so there's a lot of guys my age who were into racing so getting into racing was kind of it was interesting and I remember my first race and i was basically completely clueless and i was they joined car wheelers and i basically said look just sit at the back and you know watch you know so did that for the first race and i think i won my second or third race by just jumping up the road and staying away for the whole thing practically on my own so it was it was kind of from there on in then it, it just became um about going to races and my dad was really my parents were really supportive because they had done rowing and they saw we were really really getting into the cycling so it it, it they, they really helped us and I think that's important in when you're that age that your parents are involved and they're bringing you to races and they're supporting you
0: and tell us how you got on then on the Irish scene this would have been late 80s early 90s
1: yeah i would have been on the irish team from baby maybe from 95 96 up until 99 i think uh, maybe to 2000 might have been my last year uh yeah it was good i mean there was just opportunities to ride for me to ride races that i wouldn't have been able to ride with a domestic french team um with the with the french teams i would have been racing with um could have i was riding some really nice races but with the Irish team got to do world championships. Uh, Tour of Hokkaido in Japan was a really good race. And we would have ridden um, some of the big, uh, the bigger at the time, maybe Espoir races in Italy and, and, and Spain. So that was all, that was all really good. Oh yeah, and, and two, we we also had a, there was a national team at the time and two of the Tour of Britons. So Tour of Britain at the time, instead of having continental, Pro-continental invitations, they would have given it invitations to uh, international teams because cycling has kind of changed in that it was then you had very much a world tour scene. And underneath that, then national teams were being invited to a lot of races. So nowadays you don't really see national teams on on at a certain level of racing. It's there there are so many tiers and so many teams and levels of professionalism. So that's probably what's changed the most, really
0: and like how did you make the jump then from um cycling in ireland to cycling on the continent cycling pro continental
1: um it wasn't through the normal ways of you know where you own everything in ireland and you want to go and race in france which would have been that more traditional stephen roach sean kelly uh, approach uh, i had actually gone to do an apprenticeship and i was um I remember one day working on the the cinema was being built in Galway and I was working there with an electrical contractor and I remember being up on the roof one day and it was maybe this time of year and I seen the guys heading out over the bridge going off for a spin and I was thinking I don't want to be I don't want to be doing this you know I'm not I'm not digging this I'm not getting I'm not enjoying what I was what I'm doing and I thought maybe I should just go and you know give full-time cycling a bit of a go and my approach to it was i'd at least get to a certain standard by being dedicated and i get to travel i get time to think as well and see what i want to do because i clearly wasn't kind of digging what i was doing at the time so it was it was just that really basically that the following uh later that season made a couple of phone calls uh got to write with a club in Brittany, kind of a small club to begin with and it just it just grew from there after that then with some results i was able to get on the irish team and then get into some of the clubs in france that at the time would give you you know pocket money you'd have an apartment you'd have uh you, you could drive around in the team, you, you know you could cruise around wherever you were living in the team car if you were lucky if they gave you the team car uh, and it, yeah it just it just kind of went from there
0: and ha- like how much of an influence then would have the likes of Roach and Kelly, like you're looking at them on telly Tour de France, Giro d'Italia, Italia, you know, winning like being top of their game. How much of a, a, a inspiration was that that actually, you know, an Irish lad can race uh, on the continent? It
1: certainly gives you the it certainly gives you that extra bit of confidence if you're kind of thinking these guys can do it, but well, maybe I can maybe I can possibly get there. Um it didn't seem unachievable that's probably the difference. Um, but also we put it into perspective of how good these guys were, how good these guys are. You know, it, it really did because you're kind of thinking, you're racing at a certain level and you're finding it really hard and then you do a tour of Britain and it's like a 200K stage. And amateur racing and pro racing are, are quite different in that in amateur races, it's like 100K or maybe 130K. But in some of the pro races, 200 200 plus and there are big parts of that race where there's not really a lot going on. And it's it's quite different. I mean, it can start off really hard, and then all of a sudden you're going at the side of the road, you know, uh going to the bathroom and all of a sudden, you know, then you know that it's gonna really, you know, that it's really gonna hit the fan in the last 40, 50k again, coming towards the finish, or if there are climbs somewhere, it's gonna break up there. It's it's quite different, and it's uh I'd say some amateur, right? Some really good amateur, right? Some riders who could do really well in amateur might go into professional, and kind of it, it's 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 a different style of racing, and it's a different. I think it's you really need um, for professional racing. I think you really need a a really, um, just this ability to just do day in day out loads of big mileage. You just need a big engine. I I don't think you need to be a specialist. Um, as much as you need a big engine and you need that good recovery and you need just that, that health that some people seem to have that, you know, you don't get sick easily, you you, you recover very, very well. You know, it, it's just different, I think.
0: And well, what kind of races did you do on the continent? Like, you know, we look at the kind of memorable kind of routes and you look at the cobbles and the Alps and, you know, what must it have been like being out in the continent, being out in France racing, like, was there a point where you turn around and go, wow I've landed here and I'm part of this did you pinch yourself or were you always just so focused where you were just in in the moment
1: I think when you do a race that has uh, a big following or a big spectator then you 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 really get to, to dig that you know somebody said last year it must feel strange for the for the professional riders at the moment when they're riding the big races and there's no spectators to them it's it's it must feel very different and i must say that that was you know riding the world championships that gave me goosebumps uh tour britain definitely felt kind of different as well but some of the races in france like the tour de saint-élois races like that they have really good you know
0: Mm.
1: be very well organized races and i like those races because um, the gc and the stage was was settled on the climbs and Really and truly, I didn't go near it. I went, I went to one of the couple races in Belgium once, and I was thinking, no, I'm not going back there. <laughs> you know, it was like you figure out pretty quickly what works for you and what doesn't. And I was quite happy to go to uh, any of the races in Spain. I remember once, actually, we're on the Irish team, we were flying into, uh, um, we were flying into into the Basque Country, and I was sitting beside uh, Mihal uh, Mihal Fitzgerald, and he's a really good sprinter and you know big big strong guy and he he looked over at me and he's like oh i don't see one bit of fat flat road down there you know i can only see the runaway everything else is all his you know and it was kind of like that for all of us sometimes you'd go, you go you you get you get on the irish team for for a certain race or you might get selected for it and you're actually saying i actually don't really want to do that but you then you know it's 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 like that but it, i think in professional cycling once you're being really paid to do I think some riders get sent to Belgium and they really don't want to be there. You know, there, there is that element. It becomes like a job and sometimes
0: you don't want to do some of the races. Tell us what, I mean, what it was like doing the cobbled race because we look at it on telly and it just looks pure carnage.
1: It is, uh, you know, it's, you, you sometimes think that, you know, you've probably been to, um, you've probably been on these cobbles that are in in in, in towns and, and cities mm. here, You pretty much everywhere. And they're kind of smooth. The ones in Belgium are like, they're, they've got big gaps between them. And you hit it and all of a sudden, like, it's like the bike is shaking so much. You're thinking, is the bike actually going to hold up? And uh, you're kind of thinking then, I probably, doing it once was probably, you would probably get good at it, and you'd probably start picking better lines. Mm. You probably start riding more on the side or something. But when you do it for the first time, it's a real shock to the system. And I, I think I remember reading that in one of Kelly's books. The first time he did it, one of the Cobble classics, he was like, "Oh, how the hell are these guys even doing this?" So you probably,
0: but well, you could get good at it, I suppose, by by staying with it. Um, and did you re- did you relish the mountains, or what kind of a, what did you look forward to?
1: yeah i really did um it was pretty much sit at the back talk chat to the guys and wait for the climb Mm -hmm. and you found that with climbing you were either you found it that bit easier you didn't i mean my weight was maybe 63 kilograms at the time so once you kind of got into a rhythm and even on a bad day you still wouldn't lose much time on a hilly circuit because some of the guys even though they could be um you know same height as me maybe 5958 some of the guys be better built so like more more muscular and that extra weight you need quite a bit of power to get that up Mm. especially longer climbs anything from 5k upwards but even on, on 3k 5k climbs you can you still have an advantage if you're if you're lighter but the other side of that then is that it's more difficult for somebody who is my way to do a good time trial for example because you're not you're just not putting out the same amount of power. Um, which kind of surprised me sometimes when you watch the Tour de France and you see, you know, some of the very light good climbers, you know, putting in a good time trial. I mean, they must have a very, very good
0: power, power output as well. And did you did you naturally uh sit around 63k kg, like or, or was it a real struggle, like always watching the weight, or did it come naturally to you?
1: It wasn't too difficult. Um, I think I sh- could have been, if if I had a better diet, I actually think I could have maintained it a lot easier. Um, I probably, looking back on it now, I mean, hindsight is great, but I definitely was eating way too many. I was eating carbs every day, you yeah. know, because I just liked eating pasta and I was constantly hungry. Um, How many but, K a
0: day would you cycle, like when you're training or racing?
1: At the time, we would have... When you were racing sometimes once or twice at the weekend Monday, day tuesday was kind of more like recovery rides then you might do one long ride in the week and the rest of the time then you were trying to maybe do split training sessions maybe go in the morning and then go in the afternoon and try and incorporate some intervals um another thing which i never did enough of was more intervals and all that more specific training but you know at the time i don't think a lot of guys were very very scientific actually we weren't scientific at all um i had this conversation with somebody that i lived with for a long time which was, was rod what we spent two years at the same team we really and talking to him in recent years i kind of said you know you know you know pretty much everything he knows everything about cycling now or how to get to a certain level from working with team sky and i kind of said what were we doing wrong you know and what he said back was what were we what were we doing right he said we were basically sportive writers who had a, a pro <laughs> license. And you know, um, he just said, you know, we, we didn't have a whole lot of knowledge. Um, and that would be me and him and all the other guys at the time, all the all the the, the Welsh and English and and, and Scottish guys so we that we hung out with. We were all really in the same boat. And just access to information wasn't as easy. You know, I think I had a book from Eddie Borshkovich at the time, who was an it was a, a, a an ex who uh, was um, came from 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 a career of cycling in Poland, and who became the American coach who had written this book about you know cycle training, and, and that was it really. You know, you didn't have the the, the 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 YouTube, or you didn't have the coaches were like few and far between. Um, you know, it wasn't. I mean, in Ireland, I think um, Paddy Dorn was probably coaching most of the riders for some silly reason. I never actually approached him and asked him to coach me you know a lot of the stuff
0: just didn't make sense it's like uh like nowadays everyone down to a4 seems to have a coach and a training plan and a diet plan and uh you know I don't, does anyone like really kind of race and who's who's not following some sort of a loose plan these days yeah and it makes a lot
1: Look, it makes a lot of sense we we were pretty really kind of silly really not to have coaches because we did have a lot of time um mm we should have been putting more effort into obviously uh, improving ourselves and doing the other thing probably that i did too which was some riders didn't do was i used to just ride every race like it was the next race um while some riders were probably more focused and kind of saying oh, i really want to win the nationals and they would sacrifice mixing the racing and training and and and, and doing that and i kind of yeah, never used these to days
0: by a coach would you no you wouldn't
1: i mean uh, for us it was like uh sometimes you know I, I think rod actually said this it felt like we were just like you know the 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 uh, the the horse or the greyhound that was just brought to the race and let loose you know <laughs> it kind of felt it definitely
0: felt like that um but you must yeah, be we, living the dream i mean what, what was the day-to-day life off the bike like over in france Where in it France? Was, <laughs> it was actually pretty boring probably in
1: today's standards you know it used to be get up in the morning and you'd wait for the first thing you do is wait for the postman to come to see if there's any news from home Mm -hmm. um you know calling home the odd time it it was just because without mobile phones without being 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 online at the time it was you were pretty much left to your own devices and the team car would come and collect you at the weekend before the race drop you off on Sunday evening and say we'll see you next week you know and uh, it was it definitely gave us um a lot of time to think about things you know There was a lot of sitting around and discussing all sorts of
0: uh you know
1: anything and everything um it was it was fun in a lot of ways but i think you know you didn't get to you know people would sort of say you know is it hard to stay disciplined not go out do this you know all that but when you're living in some rural part of of, of france or belgium you know there's not a lot to do you know there's not a lot of distractions i mean I remember being in a little town in Brittany called Scare, and uh, the only thing that happened in Scare is we used to scare the dogs when we went down at nine o'clock in the evening to call home because we were an hour ahead, and the place was just, you know, dead, there was just nothing in that town, there was two bars that would close at six o'clock type thing, and it was, it, it was like that a lot because some of these um, Clubs that you would end up racing with, you know, these Division Two, Division One clubs. They were, they were in. Now some were in bigger cities. Um, you know, um, like uh, there was a couple of big Parisian clubs. But then if you were based there, like going training was quite difficult because you'd have to ride all the way out of some part of Paris to get your training. So Dijon, I would have been in Dijon, Nancy, Um, Troyes was actually quite nice because there was a good bunch of us that trained together there was a couple of pro riders in twa we used to train with them and uh yeah i i enjoyed that not twa wouldn't be the most exciting place but there was a um there was one of these uh big retail outlets and we were always well dressed anyway from for going out but that was that was about it
0: and what was it like would you have a more a most memorable moment from racing on the continent
1: most memorable moment probably would have been the riding the the under 23 world championships i mean that just felt really special um you know i had quite good form at the time i was really excited about it and yeah that's probably the one that stood out the most now there were there were other opportunities that kind of came later on i would have done the tour in new caledonia one stages there Mm -hmm. and and events like that and i kind of realized that there is a whole um I think probably maybe a little bit less so, but at the time there was this, uh, there were events being organized in places like Guadeloupe, parts of Africa. Um, you could pretty much ride any country in the world, but you kind of got into this, you got to know people who knew people who were doing the invites. So mm-hmm. after New Caledonia I had an invitation to do some events in Australia, after that, then, I mean, there were races in Africa at the time, it was kind of really starting to take off. And uh, I kind of regret that I didn't do more of that because that could have been, you know, that could have been just a real experience. And that's there too. I mean, not any, not every, you know, if you get to the stage, I think in cycling, you know, you're not going to be that level to be world tour. And I think a great compromise is just go and ride all of these races all over. the I mean, you get to see the world uh, for 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 nothing because a lot of these uh, events they'll cover the the cost of flying there. Or being mm. being been, been, uh, lodged there and everything so they're they're great and actually a lot of these races have really good price money so they i should have done more of them really in hindsight
0: so that'd be kind of advice you'd give to uh kind of up-and-coming racers too you know that it's a much bigger world than often people just focus on france belgium there's there's a whole world of cycling there is and i think sometimes
1: um maybe there's a little bit too much focus on making a career out of it and being kind of getting to the level that sam bennett is at, or you know and sometimes you just have to realize that you know if you don't have the engine for it or you don't have the mentality for that because that takes really strong mentality uh i mean to do what those guys do it looks very glamorous on on television when we see them winning. But to get to that, I mean it's you just need to be really tough mentally and physically. So there are other things that you can do. I mean, there's a whole big gravel scene that's opening up there right now. And I mean, you could go and race in the US, race gravel or something, do some events. You know, if if you've got the uh, you know, if you definitely got the engine and you you you've got that little bit of freedom to travel, I think mean, that's a great way of being being part of a, a circuit and really just you know, enjoying life for a few years
0: while doing these races. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you too there about. I mean, the way you got into, um, the way you you went abroad was a kind of a, just having a bit of nick and making a few phone calls. But it's it's very it's very different now, is it? You were saying I read an article about you know good Irish riders trying to trying to get onto pro continental teams or you know, get into the professional circuit. How different is it for them now than it was for you? It's different in that there are a lot of pro and pro continental
1: teams. Now you can still do the, the, although, you know, you can still go the other route and just go to a a division two club in France and Mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of riders right now. And amateur cycling in France has taken a bit of a hit too um, with, with just less money in the economy, less sponsors and all that. Mm -hmm. But these continental teams are, a lot of them are struggling too a lot of them don't have any very little budget so a lot of the riders are, are not being paid in that you know and i don't think people realize that but it is a way of getting into really top-notch races and if you can nail down a couple of results well then you could get into the into a good pro-conti team or you could you know eventually maybe end up on a world tour team so there there's a number of ways of going about it yeah you, you can definitely you can still do it both ways but the the the, the pro continental team team scene is definitely it's an improvement because when i was racing really you kind of tried to maybe get on the irish team to get access to some races whilst the Impost sean kelly team was a great team for bringing guys on uh also now you have evo pro are also an irish uh, pro continental team so there are just other avenues that you can explore uh which which is definitely good and i think too the guys being based away now isn't as big an ordeal in that you could do online courses you're in touch with everybody at home now i don't know maybe that could be a distraction too but you can definitely be you know you could definitely be working on other projects and racing in france and belgium because you've got you you know you it's you you could potentially work from home and do
0: all of this yeah yeah and nowadays you can even cycle from home The way things are yeah yeah (laughs) we get to (laughs) Zwift in a bit um and what what, like what then when it came to towards the end of the career like tell bring us through that and um how you made or how you came to the decision to to retire from professional racing I had picked
1: up a couple of injuries and in hindsight it was a lot of it was to do was because I wasn't doing enough core exercises I if I had been doing more core exercises more yoga and all that and going to the gym I could have avoided all the problems that I had Um, and
0: tell tell us a bit about that because I know people will be very interested in that because everyone's into the kind of off-bike stuff that they should be doing you
1: basically want to be reversing everything that you're doing on the bike so what can happen on a bike is in that position, it's it's very similar to somebody that sits all day, you want to get into kind of uh, strengthening and getting that proper length into the psoas muscles on, on, on the front of your body, your your hips and all that. It's, you 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 want to be able to, say, open up your hips a bit more that you have, you know, there used to be a thing in the, if you look at old photos from the 1950s, 60s and 70s, of pro riders, they had this uh, gait or a posture. You mm. could actually tell the guy from standing in his ordinary clothes as a pro cyclist because you know the, the feet would be pointing out and he would just kind of like a bit hunched over because that would, he basically looked like what he was on on the bike. So you know you you want to move away from that. And I think nowadays when you look at professional riders, a lot of them have that you know physique where they don't they just don't look like they are sitting on the bike for six hours a day. So mm. you want to be reversing that. The, a great guy to follow uh, in what he does is Sigan if you look up sigan's workouts they're just mm. amazing i mean he does stuff like you used to see in Jean claude van damme movies back in the 80s you know so it's that's the that's the level you we should be trying to get to off the bike in that yeah. you're trying to be keep your keep your keep your yourself in good physical shape
0: mm. so you, you kind of made the decision then to uh to retire from pro cycling, but. Uh, you know had you something lined up or had you been making plans what was the jump back to you know civvy life after that yeah that's actually
1: quite hard um that can be quite hard because you're used to a certain way of life you used to go to New York in January and February for your training you used to being not having any pressure in your life really apart from getting results in, in bike races and then it's you're kind of get back, and my advice would be to anybody that stops cycling like that is, before you stop, just have a plan of, I think a great opportunity is if you get to 23, 24, and you haven't really been making progress in cycling, just go go back straight back to, to college. And you could have that drive and discipline and just put it to that use straight away. I probably didn't do that quickly enough, um, but at the same time, an opportunity arose to work with um, um, one of the, the the best cycling companies in Ireland at the time with with, with Raleigh and with uh, Mel Sutcliffe and the guys there, and that was great, I learned a lot of them about the bike trade, about, you know, wholesale, retail, all of that, so, and I was, you know, travelling um, through all the bike shops in the country and all that, and, you know, I did enjoy it, it was still kind of in that same area, I probably didn't really want to move away from from cycling I wanted to stay in cycling and then obviously a few years later then I got the opportunity to start start the brand and the clothing brand and and, and develop that and really been doing that for the past uh 10 to 12 I think maybe maybe more 2015 yeah, maybe 15 years now and yeah, that's that's enjoyable because you kind of look forward to getting involved with sponsoring teams would have had a lot to do with the Nicholas Roach performance team and all the young guys coming through there um and you know it keeps you in the loop and then with the nicholas Roach performance team we ended up back in twat and this was funny because i went to the 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 race in Twa and i was gone you know i actually recognize pretty much everybody here the organizer was the same as 10 years previously when i was there so the kind of cycling scene is, is small really is kind of close-knit so you you do find that the same people are always always there always keeping it going
0: so even though like Velotech, you're you're based in Costa. I mean, you're you're dealing with people all over the world, really.
1: Yeah, we got a good break about um, six, seven years ago in that we, we went down. We very much started to focus on aero clothing, something which I didn't focus on when I was cycling. Uh, although I always like to wear a good fitting jersey. That used to really bug me when you went to a team and they were giving you jerseys that were too big for you. It's like flapping in the wind. But the aero side of it really kind of took off uh, a number of years ago, and it was probably around the time that Sky as well were, were really focusing on, on marginal gains. But the thing is, like, if you add up all those small things, you know, it it really makes a big difference. Um, so we, we, we started working on that, developing the suits. It went very well and that we worked with some good teams and the profile that we got off those teams, like Team KGF in the UK, for example, were great and Dan Bingham and those guys were really, really good at helping us. Mm. But it also gave us a profile and that kind of snowball really. Um, so that made the biggest difference for us. So now we kind of try and stay focused on on that area really more than anything else because it's kind of become our what we're good at.
0: So you're back now, you're you're involved with uh, talk CC. Um, you feel it's really important to be, you know, it's very important for you to be involved with your local club. What does that give you? Like you're kind of giving something back now, you know, as, as a pro rider, I imagine it's a very selfish lifestyle. You know, things are being handed to you um, and you just, like you say, you got to deliver your results. You don't have any, these kind of life responsibilities. But it's kind of flipped now. Now you're back, you know, you're involved with the club. Um tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point that you made about when you're when you're kind of a full-time athlete, you do become quite selfish, you know. Um, and I think you have to be. I think you have to think about yourself a lot, but it's it just gets it just gets very easy to just think about yourself and nobody else. And it's, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's like a necessity. But then, yeah, it's, uh, once cycling becomes a sport again, which is really important because it becomes a job. And then when it goes back to being a sport, it's actually nice. And it's nice to be just going out with the guys on a Sunday, just for the chat, you know, just for the social aspect. And then you do find, uh, you know, when you have a background in cycling, you do find people do put a bit of pressure on you anyway to get involved with the club or get involved with for example at the moment with kind of cycling you know uh i basically just went to 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 help out with get, televising the the cyclocross championships and a year later i i'm chairman it was it wasn't <laughs> planned you kind of get roped into it but at the same time it's good to do that it's important to do that because you know um uh, i am now probably like one of the old guys who was helping out in france you know so you know, you, you have to do that because if you don't have the, as the French call them, the, the benevolts or so the people who give up their time for the club, mm-hmm. for organizing races and all that, we wouldn't have anything. So, you know, it's, it's a necessity and it's, it's, you do get it. It's funny. It's with the Nicholas Roy performance team when I think it was uh, Michael O'Loughlin or was it been I think it was Michael O'Loughlin actually won one of the, uh, one of the stages at a really big race in France. It was, a, it was, it was, um, it was basically a World Cup event for juniors, and I felt so happy that day. It was like I had won myself. And you know, you do realize then you really get a you really get a kick out of watching somebody that you're working with do it, and that replaces the buzz that you got from racing yourself.
0: And what do you do like with with Gael cc yourself, Rona McNamara, uh, who else is involved there? Um, what what I know the pandemic has kind of stopped everything for the moment, but. What uh, what kind of opportunities were you looking at there for the Gale Talk CC club?
1: The big thing uh with the the club was, I mean, it's still a small group of us. I mean, we have I have Paulie who does the commentary on the Tour de France uh with me and and Satanta and, and 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 A bunch of the guys like we 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 um it it started off as a kind of a small club idea and doing sportive events and going to france together riding in the alps and the pyrenees so once we did all that and then ronan really competitive and really wanted to do more on the the racing side and he's really enjoying that and i kind of got a lot of enjoyment out of going to the races last year with the guys Mm. and kind of giving them the tips and passing on my bit of knowledge and and seeing seeing them really enjoy it so that was really nice but one of the big goals we have here is to try and, and develop a gravel network um because we don't have a lot of of roads in Cunnamara really you know you've got that R336 and then you've got the main Clifton Road and in between you have Shana Face Sheen Cullen and they're good cycling roads and that they're quieter but there really is an opportunity to to link some of the gravel roads that we have here already that are not going anywhere into the into the wind farm which is a huge a uh, section of gravel trails that join up all the, the 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 wind turbines so what we're trying to do is create a big network that is uh has two purposes really it's great for training and it's great if somebody comes to the area and they're going to the iron islands obviously they can go well, I could rent to gravel bike and head off and do this because a lot more people are into cycling now especially a lot of people who, who were in, in other sports are using cycling to, to keep themselves fit. And there's this challenge that that hopefully we'll be able to put it in place. So there's a challenge that you can do with riding gravel. And eventually it will it will connect as well to the greenway between Clifton and Galway, which if ever it gets finished will be absolutely huge because some of the sections of that railway was passing through. Yeah, And I, I think the engineer who built that railway between but who designed the railway between Galway and Clifton kind of went, you know, what is the nicest route we can bring it? Because it's it's stunning, isn't it? I mean, so for a man who
0: hated cobbles, he's getting everyone back on the gravel.
1: That's different. It's different. No, gravel is a lot. <laughs> gravel is way nicer than than than. Uh,
0: but it's than, becoming than so cobbles. popular, isn't it? Um, I know a lot of lads who who got gravel bikes, and it's just such a break off the road bike, you know, especially during the winter, just plowing up these gravel roads, like and it, it is, I- you're going.
1: And isn't it the freedom as well of not worrying about cars? Um, that's a huge factor. Um, like a lot of cars, a lot of people, a lot of, in fairness now, a lot of motors give, give a lot of space in that, especially here locally. Um, and also, but what I worry about the most, I think, I think you do worry a little bit as you get older. I didn't really think about it so much when I was younger, you, you think you're invincible, but it's it's, uh, it's, it's the the biggest change I see. It's, I'm not so worried about some of the older drivers. It's some of the younger drivers who are driving, uh, um, looking at phones. I yeah. think that is really like, it's, it's, I don't know how to do, I don't know how you could enjoy it. I kind of like, you know, when I'm driving, I like to be driving and thinking about stuff. Um, I don't know what enjoyment somebody could get out of driving and trying to look at the phone at the same time. It's, to me, it makes no sense at all. But anyway, a lot of it—it's just gotten pretty bad.
0: Yeah, it is a big concern. Like for all mm-hmm. clubs, you know, in our own Galway, when you're picking your routes, you know, you're you're kind of thinking, well, avoid this this road or that road. I know when we're going out from town, you know, you prefer to choose a kind of a back road than the main you know the road or the main spittle roads
1: yeah and it's 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 sensible to do it's sensible to think in that way and it's sensible to think that you know if if you're if you're training and it's coming early in the morning or late in the evening that you kind of factor in that you know sun in your eyes means sun in the eyes of the person in the car you know it's makes a lot of sense to to think rationally about what's the safest route to do because you're you're reducing your risk maybe by half or, or more so
0: yeah definitely and uh, one thing i'd say that's real enjoyable is um yourself and paulio leonard today commentating on the tour de france on tg Car. um how did that arrive and how much how much how much crack must that be i'm sitting there listening to you like when when i'm working it'd be on in the background i just so jealous like they get mentioned often enough anyway <laughs> it's great It's
1: great working with body he's just you know he's he's such a professional uh presenter um and he has so much experience and I I learned so much from him because I hadn't done it already so it was really easy to go in and sit with him and he makes you feel comfortable and he kind of entices you into the long conversations and you can just really just have a lot of fun with it um and you know, he's become really passionate. Like when I met him first, he used to be, you know, going out and having for a cigarette breaks and stuff. But now he's like mad into cycling, going out with us on uh on, on Sundays, and he just loves it. You know, the, the golf clubs have been parked. Um and he's he's really enjoying the site. So
0: yeah, it's it's working with Paulie is a real pleasure. Yeah. Um and especially like this this summer gone. I mean on a really tough year like it was it was just so great for for to be able to you know have Sam Bennett winning the green jersey on the champs like and for you to be able to be there you know following that for people around the country I mean how, how cool must that have been?
1: Yeah that's definitely special um, I think also Sam is really well liked he's a nice guy mm. um, and he's very much you know you know tied in with irish cycling he came up through the through the through the ranks he's you know um everybody you know people in cycling know him from from riding underage for me and it's the same with eddie dunbar i mean mm. eddie hasn't had big opportunities yet but i think he will and i think he will deliver as well like those guys are very much part of the irish cycling dna and i think it, i think re- people get an extra bit of of pleasure out of seeing those guys do well because they just feel that link with them i mean nicholas Nicholas did race here a bit, but not as much as those guys. And of course, the the link with Nicholas also is really strong, obviously through his dad, through Stephen, who would have been like Sam, who would have who would have won a lot of event races here and then went down to the continent. But like very interesting about Sam, and I mean, it's I think there's an there's an article on it today, is that how close he was to actually not making it. And this is something we would have chatted about a good bit during the Tour de France last year. Where he was with the Sean Kelly team you know, he had problems with his injury and that, and he had, things weren't really going his way for a long time, and then he just got that break on a stage in the Tour of Britain and really took his opportunity really well, And you know, and and I think you can see, you know, what a nice guy he is, like he did a really good interview with with Pauly that went out and was aired at Christmas It's well, worth a look, and uh, yeah, I think people are delighted to see Sam doing well.
0: And it's great when you have a guy who um, he's not afraid to show his vulnerability i mean he blasted Sagan and and was a Calibuan in, in his first stage when the tour de france like showed real strength and then he just broke down crying afterwards you know people really empathize with that
1: oh definitely i mean he has a lot of fans everywhere um i mean it's it's sean kelly still has lots of fans everywhere but I think with Sam, what you see after the finish as well is the amount of riders who come up to congratulate him. You know, yeah. you know the other his rivals have a lot of respect for him himself in Caliburn, who were probably big rivals, trained together like they're best of buds. Oh. And and it's 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 just great to see that. You know, it's yeah. it's great to see that rival. You know that you can have that rivalry and you can have the friendship. But funny story, we were actually in Nice a couple of years ago, and I was just had met Sean Kelly, and he's he was walking along, and he actually kind of had a, a toolbox with him. I don't know what he was he was up to, probably fixing the, the podium for, for Eurosport. But there was this uh, older gentleman who was walking along and he had a, a plastic, one of those plastic disposable cameras, and all of a sudden he spotted Kelly. And it was like he'd been holding on to this plastic camera for years for this opportunity. He was delighted, you know. I I I I obviously took the photo and he just walked off and he was he was a made man. So it's you know, in 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 you know, cycling mightn't have that big profile in Ireland Maybe that it has in France or Belgium But you can see these guys are Huge globally now It is a global sport which kind of helps that.
0: Yeah, yeah And like it's so important like seeing Sean Kelly Sam Bennett, Eddie Dunbar These guys coming to Sport Eves You know, taking pictures, having the crack Like it, it just means so much For people It does and I think they they enjoy doing
1: that Because mm. they, they get to spend time with uh, a lot of people that they would have known or come up through cycling with and i think they like to support the um the irish scene as well as much as possible and you know sportives are now become really important for cycling in ireland because it's the sportive riders who are really subsidizing the whole structure of cycling in ireland and we kind of owe them a lot i'm glad that sean and, and 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 stephen will come to Sportives and, and will support them because it is, you know, when you take out a license with Cycling Ireland, you're kind of really becoming a member of that cycling community. You're supporting cycling.
0: Yeah. And like for some of us who are racing, you know, we got the race last year, but it's it's tough on the Sportive ride, riders, isn't it? Because, you know, they're supporting CycleIre- Cycling Ireland to getting the license. They didn't really get to do Sportives last year. And, and Sportives may be slower to come back than, you know our league races and that
1: yeah that is unfortunate because it is they were the biggest losers really in in terms of of what they lost and, and and especially last year i mean fortunately we got to ride some some racing in the summertime um the challenge your own club the challenge leagues were really great in that it, it felt like a it felt like a World Cup race rocking up when there was professional riders and everything riding in, over in East Galway, but the, the sportive riders got a raw deal. Um, and the reason being is that sportive events are mass participation events. Yeah. It's about the social aspect of it as well. It's stopping off for sandwiches. And obviously, with the way things were, it was impossible to organise a a sportive event. And sportive events in general are geared towards the big numbers the mass participation and yeah it, it's hopefully i really hope that they can come back this year because i think a lot of people out there are really looking forward to doing a sport team.
0: yeah and like i know in challenge club like you know we're really eager to like it's always so easy to get carried away with the racing, you know and we do great leagues over the summer um and you know we leave a pro coming down racing with such quality like Charlie Prendergast, Sean O'Malley, all these lads, you know, absolutely ripping it up, like, and <laughs> leaving you in a heap on the ditch, but, so you get, you kind of get caught up in that, like, and sometimes cycling is a kind of a selfish sport, because they are so focused on, you know, uh, training and trying to hang on and not get dropped, and, but like, they, and especially now because of the pandemic coming out the other end of this, it's so important that, to support You know, the wider cycling community. And, like, I was going to ask you, you see the amount of young lads cycling around post pandemic, is there going to be a golden age for Irish cycling? Like, if we, and it's so important to hold on to these people, hold on to their parents in cycling to really get, how do we continue that momentum after the pandemic when, you know, the GA is back, boxing is back, handball, all other sports, and all of a sudden they're competing with these sports. Yeah,
1: I think two ways, I think, as racing comp- competitive cyclists can help is one is give advice to some of the younger riders, but secondly, the people who really appreciate some advice and giving them tips on, you know, their bike setup and, and all that is actually some of the sportive riders they. They they're coming into a sport and maybe in their 50s that they don't have a lot of knowledge about and if you can go out and maybe if you meet them out and have a chat with them and. Give them some good tips. They, you know, people really appreciate that. But one of the 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 big conversations we're having in cycling really is how we're going to grow the amount of under underage, uh, especially competitive underage, because the numbers, the numbers are quite low. And it's it's of it's of no, it's not really to do with the previous committees or anything like that. It's just that it's 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 quite a challenge. I think. It's a challenge in a lot of sports in that uh, there's quite a lot of participation up to certain age groups, and then it just gradually drops off. And junior is very challenging, and there's not a lot of of, of juniors coming through in, in in some areas. So, yeah, how are we going to change that? I think the best way of doing it is probably to concentrate not so much on road racing, but off road. It's the cyclocross, it's the it's the the gravel, it's the the it's mountain biking, enduro riding, they are more in line with today's practices or today's habits in that a parent can drop somebody off at the trail, leave them there with the tutor for an hour or two Mm -hmm. and pick them up again. It's, you know, life has changed, you know, it's no longer a thing where kids hop up on a bike and they ride down to the GA club and they ride back and they stop off for an ice cream on the way or something. It's, that kind of freedom maybe is, is 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 not there anymore because roads are a lot busier and also parents are are more worried about their kids i mean like we were, i was chatting earlier about uh, when i first started cycling we used to be gone for 6 hours you know we could be gone for for, for from from the whole day and like, nobody was calling your around them so what we i think what we need to do is cater for that change and have structured coaching and structured events that are local training camps but really concentrate on the off-road aspect of mm-hmm. the enjoyable part of mountain biking you know jumping over stuff and just that the whole skills thing and some of these cyclists might and would quite likely end up doing some road racing down the road or they might excel in mountain biking and that would be great too mm-hmm. if we had more uh, like, see how well Oshino Callahan is doing. It'd be great to have more guys like him who are very competitive on a
0: on, on world stage. Because it is quite a dilemma for a cycling club. <clears throat> if you're, say, the GA, you have your own pitch, um, you know, and you can bring people there to that environment. For a club to bring young lads out on a road, you know, there is that there is that difficulty there in terms of managing that risk and like you say you know cyclocross mountain biking gravel biking it's it's a way it's a pipeline to get them through those kind of teenage years like you see with the amount of former gravel bikers well still gravel bikers mountain bikers like is it uh van art van Der Poel, they're kind of they come from that world of things don't they they're a new breed
1: they do and i think one of the things we need to be careful of in in that i think a lot of um road cyclists kind of think that you know eventually somebody will go from the other sport to road but i think we need to kind of go you know it's cycling now is 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 we have to think of cycling as it's competitive all the way through and maybe mountain biking doesn't get the profile it deserves on 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 channels like um on, in the media and that and it it it, it should because it's it's a tough know it's just as tough as tougher probably as tougher as tough road cycling any day so Mm -hmm. we kind of need to just encourage kids to just enjoy the cycling and and, and enjoy doing off-road um and like you said yeah uh, some of these guys might end up doing mixing it up with some road and maybe excelling in road maybe when when you know if, if 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 they take to that but the important thing is that and i think one of the things that cycling offers and and triathlon offers and some sport offer that really you, that you don't get in some of the say ball sports mm. is that you can go and ride the nationals you know you can go and ride the regional championships and get a medal you know you can go and ride the nationals you know it's 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 not such a big task to qualify and i mean you get to a certain stage you could end up riding the world championships or something and you know are, are qualifying for the olympics the ga can't offer you qualification for the olympics so yeah. there's you know there's the, there are, adv- you know, and I think for the kids who are very competitive, if you kind of say that to them, I think that can kind of be, mm. I think that can be, be be a motivation too.
0: Yeah, yeah, so you think there's a golden age of cycling coming in all, all levels?
1: Hopefully, well, I think what we'll end up with is a lot of um, age groups will take to cycling because there's massive investment now in greenways, yes. there's massive investment in the, in 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 the, cycling infrastructure in in towns and cities and people who are cycling in towns and cities will get to a really good level if they're cycling their bike twice a day every day um they look forward to going and doing the greenway or going on a trip somewhere and riding some of the greenways in europe so i think i think we have in a little way we, we've probably been forced to do it but i think it'll be a good thing for cycling overall
0: yeah lovely um and uh yeah you were you were racing in the um the the challenge league there this summer. Did you, what kind of a kick did you get did, did, did you get out of it? Was it was the first time back racing really for a few years, or had you done much racing since you retired?
1: No, last year was my first year of kind of just racing, you know, regularly. And I loved it. I really loved it. And I was kind of thinking, you know, but because well, there's two, you know, it it's on the doorstep, you know, you're not driving, getting up early in the morning driving all the way to Navan or down to carlo or you know to you know so they there were evening races so like i could finish work here you know throw the bike in the car with and, and with rolling on and head over and, and right and you know two hours later you're in the middle of a race and the the a3 category is nice in that you're not really having to commit too much time to your training mm-hmm. and you can still have a go you know, and then obviously we were being caught by the A ones and twos later in the race and you're having a dig and trying to stay at their pace as well, but at the same time, you just don't have. The illusions of trying to break away with, uh, with Charlie and, you know Charlie and, 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 and the guys and trying to do turns on the front with them, uh, you know so it's um. But it was it was really enjoyable it really was and it was safe too because the 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 marshaling was very good but also i think you are getting you get a standard in a3 of it's you've fairly good level of of um of bike handling but also it's there is that level of being a bit cautious because yeah. most of us are guys in their 40s and 50s who are like you know you know this is a race this is fun but we're not going to take silly silly take city chances so yeah that, that side of it is good too yeah
0: and and uh just kind of finally then before we wrap up um who are you looking at for who who you're predicting then for the tour de france at this stage who's who's going to deliver this year uh...
1: and <laughs> i i just haven't i haven't huh? really thought about it at all but uh i'd imagine sky would or any of us will put something uh quite good together uh Bernal might be just back in good shape i see he's kind of um he's racing well at the moment um so he he just had an an off year last year Mm. um yeah and i mean you can't rule out the the two the two boys from last year as well they'll be back um and yeah you it's yeah it, every you know there is that turnover every couple of years in the tour but yeah i'd say it'll be an open tour this year i think it, you know in have a great team but so have jumbo visman and you know there's a couple of other teams as well who've got good contenders so yeah it'll be hopefully it'll be like last year was brilliant i think one of the best tours
0: really yeah it was best is yet to come hopefully <laughs> well we look forward to watching on, on uh tg cahar uh, tour de france um, but I that's it. we you and Richard. see you back uh, out in the road at the Shannon Hill. Definitely,
1: definitely. <laughs> Hopefully, in some race. And uh, I promised not to knock you. I, I, I actually knocked <laughs> Richard off his bike last year. I felt so bad.
0: I'd say that was my fault now, seeing as you're the uh, yeah, I, I think we, we go 50 50 on that one. I went over the handlebars, and uh, I just saw you going up the road. And thankfully, Mick Rowan scraped me off the road. He was coming behind in the the broom wagon bus. But that's it, you know. Like it's it's a good, safe race. It's well marshaled. So look, sometimes you do have an old tip or hit something, and then you will go down. But you know, there was there was uh, there was always people there. You know, you always feel safe on the road. Like you know, even if you have a bump or a scrape. So, uh, but look forward to getting back to it. And uh, thanks again.
1: Yeah, and good high. luck
0: with VeloTech. Um, and so we'll see you on the road.
1: Right, Rishat Slang. Slang, good